We believe every procurement leader has trade secrets and lessons to learn from. The conversations we have on this podcast are designed to deliver that inspiration and instructions through storytelling. Hello everyone. You are listening to Meet Me at the Top, a procurement interview podcast dedicated to procurement people. Today we are in Rome, Italy. We are speaking with Mr. Shannon Hachandi, the Deputy Head of Procurement for the World Food Programme. The World Food Programme is a UN agency. The show has two goals. One, it is to share helpful information resources. And the second one is to inspire you, hopefully making your journey as a procurement professional a little bit faster, easier, and maybe a little bit more fun. So to get us started, would you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got involved in procurement? Good afternoon, Simba. Thanks uh, for having me on your program. And I hope uh, we'll have uh, a very interesting uh, discussion today. I would introduce myself and a bit of what I do. So my name is uh, Shannon Hachandi. I'm a Zambian. I'm married and I am a father of one. Currently, I'm working as deputy to the head of uh, procurement at uh, WFP in their head office in Rome. WFP is a food agency of the United Nations. How long have you been in this industry? And what have you learned so far? I've worked in supply chain for over 16 years, six of which has been focused on procurement. What have I learned? People matter. Therefore, how you treat them is very important. Maya Angelou said, people forget what you said, people forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. By the very nature of our work in procurement and supply. What sort of commodities do you buy? So we procure, ship, and distribute over 4 million tons of food. Now, this 4 million tons of food includes uh, cereal, cereal, things like maize, rice, pasta. You also have pulses, uh, things like beans, and then you have oil. Mostly we buy vegetable oil, but there's also sometimes uh, palm oil, which is very rare, and then salt, sugar, and other uh, specialized nutritious uh, food that are meant for supplementary feeding. And we are assisting over 97 million people meet their food and nutrition needs in over 80 countries uh, around the world. We also contract financial and retail services. Now what I mean by financial uh, services is that we have contracts with banks, mobile service providers, remittance services and other electronic money providers to provide the people that we assist with money or access to money so that they can meet their daily needs. So you see in, um, in most, I'm sure it's now common that most uh, food assistance program, people are given uh, a card and they use that card to either draw the money from um, an ATM or they can use that money in a shop to buy food or sometimes they are given uh, value 
in their mobile accounts and that money they can use to buy the food that they need. So <clears throat> this is what we call financial services. Uh, attached to that is uh, retail service. Uh, retail service is usually a program that uh, is run on the retailers based on a voucher program. So a voucher is a, a value that is either provided as an electronic card or, or a voucher, an electronic voucher which can be redeemed at the shop. So the, the shop will be contracted by us to say when the particular recipient comes with that particular voucher, he would be able to collect uh, or buy food using that value that is there to, to, up to the value that is on that card and the entire portfolio of that is over two billion dollars uh, per year tell us about your journey in the world food program so this is about wfb and my role as my current role in supply chain when i joined involved preparing budgets for logistics operations in Zambia. This meant estimating how much money we needed to buy food from different locations, international, region, and uh, local. It also looked at how much money we needed to move this food from wherever we are buying it from to different warehouse locations in Zambia, and then finally to different distribution sites where we actually give the food to the people. It also involved uh, costs like uh, handling, warehousing, and uh, clearing, inspections, and uh, food quality. So all these helped us to make sure that run uh, a logistics operation or a supply chain operation that is able to procure the food. Uh, move it to where it's needed at the right time, at the right quality, at the right price. So I was in charge of managing the budgeting, the managing of funds that are, are being spent and reporting and tracking how these funds are spent, but also tracking the movement of the commodities that we, we were, we, we supplied to different individuals. So with WFP, I've worked in uh, many countries. The most notable ones include Zambia, obviously, where I started from, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, and now in Italy. I have uh, held several positions uh, within supply chain. As, uh, these uh, positions include fund manager, head of supply chain, demand planning and uh, commodity accounting, regional procurement lead, and now I'm working as a deputy head of uh, procurement at the head office in, in Italy. In my current role as a deputy of procurement for goods and service, I lead a team that supports uh, different uh, divisions uh, within the organization. These divisions include engineering, which uh, most looks at cons construction, admin, which also looks at facilities as well as uh, rental management of facilities, the technology division, which looks at uh, software and hardware, human resources and uh, finance. So these are, these are some of uh, the functions that I manage and also the, fin the bit where we actually look at financial services. This is the contracting of banks, mobile money, remittances and cash, as I explained uh, earlier on for our cash programs. So the portfolio for that is over uh, $3 billion uh, in all. So this is what I'm managing at the, at the moment. So this, this is a little of the background. Thank you. How did you get into procurement and supply? Where did you start from? 
Let me roll back to where my career began. I started working in Zambia as an accountant for a clearing and forwarding agency right after I finished my accountancy studies. I worked for two, and, uh, two years or about two and a half years as an accountant and in this role my uh, job was to oversee their bookkeeping system. So what I mean by that, I used to record financial transactions of the firm which included uh, accounts receivables or simply those things that uh, or the, the amount of money that is owed to the company as well as accounts payables or the, uh, who, the amount of money the company owes to other people. I used to do bank reconciliations, I used to produce uh, financial statements, uh, financial statements and uh, reports that uh, a company is mandated to produce to show its profit uh, loss and loss or including their statement of assets and uh, liabilities that uh, so after that i joined a non-government organization as a finance manager and i worked there for three years doing a similar job it is important for me to give this uh, background because it helps you to understand how i got to where i am now i started out as a pure finance guy I had the privilege to work in smaller companies that provided me with an opportunity to learn how organizations operate. It also allowed me to do all sorts of functions such as human resources, which you call HR, procurement, administration. It helped me also get in, into those leadership uh, positions which allowed me to look at how policies uh, developed rules, guidelines, developing mission and vision and objectives of uh, the organization. In short, it actually prepared me to see the big picture of how different pieces of an organization works uh, and how individually each of these functions fit together as a whole. So with this finance background, I started out as uh, a logistics funds manager in uh, World Food Program. So I joined World Food Program with this finance background, giving me an opportunity to work as a funds manager and commodity accounting uh, for the program. Now, a little bit about World Food, World Food Program in short, WFP is a, a United Nations agency, which is uh, donor funded, assisting governments of uh, member states address their food and nutritional needs. Tell me, say, what are you passionate about in procurement and supply? What I'm passionate about in procurement and supply? I'm passionate about everything I do. However, if I were to pick one topic, I would say ethics stands out. A little of a background on why I feel passionate about the topic. I'll take you back to December, 1st December of uh, 1999. This was my first day at a job as a finance manager of a non-governmental organization. I got to the office looking forward to being oriented about the organization, what my role would be, and the staff there. However, to my surprise, I was pulled into a meeting with auditors and I was told that there had been a suspected fraud from the previous office order and that that team 
from the head office was there to audit the accounts. I must say that while as a trained accountant, I know why it is important to do the audit, but having to attend to auditors on my first day at a job was unusual. But actually, it turned out a start to a long career. The lead auditor was an older gentleman around 70 years of age. He had vast experience and knowledge uh, in his many years of auditing different firms. He told me something I would never forget. He said to me something that has always been an anchor to my career. He said, son, no one starts out with a plan to commit fraud or corruption. Almost all the people that commit fraud or corruption start out with good intentions, but they get carried away when they see an opportunity for a personal gain. He said, always remember to keep that to keep a job, your actions must always be in the interest of the organization. The very survival of an organization will depend on how compliant its employees or its workers or its people in the organization are, or the perception of compliance to those expectations of uh, the organization. That is very, very profound. The way you've brought in the stakeholders' expectations, I think that is very profound. Thank you for that explanation. I agree. This is deep. Let me just say that in my career, I have learned the hard truth that if left unchecked, everyone is at risk of unethical behavior. The reason rules, procedures, standards, values, and principles exist is uh, for the organization to govern individual behaviors in line with uh, its objectives. In procurement, ethics are particularly important because the interest of an individual may differ from that of uh, the organization and its stakeholders. This conflict is actually as a result of individual actions of an employee being contrary to what is expected by its stakeholders and thereby breaking the trust that is accorded to the staff and the organization. This may result in the staff losing their role in the organization at best, or at worst, the organization may suffer fines or even closure. So I would say ethics therefore are an important element of achieving the organization's uh, objectives as well as uh, achieving value for money. Earlier on, you made a link between ethics and value for money. What does value for money mean to you? And would you share a story around that? In procurement, we achieve best value when we procure an item that meets our requirement at the least cost possible. For example, let's say a client wants to buy a computer. Before going to the market, procurement and the client unit will have to answer the following questions. Why is there a need for a computer? What is the budget? What uh, will it be used for? How long will it be used for? When is it needed? And where is it needed? Answering these questions will form what in procurement we call 
requirements or simply put what we need in the case of uh, our example then uh, best value is buying a computer that meets our requirement at the least price possible so suppose we receive four bids out of uh, which three will meet uh, meet our requirement the best value for money will then be to get the cheapest of the three bids that meet our requirement now that is very different from buying a cheap item because we first assess the computers for the defined specifications and out of the best computers we picked one which costs less again let's suppose that out of the three one of them is slightly higher than uh, the rest because it had included the supplier had included a headphone as part of uh, the cost but it was not in our original requirement and then the client unit suggests that uh, they want to pick that one because it has an extra item this is where we see the need of an, an, in, an individual coming into conflict with that of uh, the organization. The organization needs uh, is a computer, not a headset, whereas the individual might see the benefit of uh, having an extra item, but it comes at a cost. And this might seem a simplistic example of ethics, but we can actually complicate it further by saying, what if the what the client prefers is actually a brand and what if that client is a director how do we go about resolving this so again it comes back to what we had already already said we first define what is the need of the organization was the brand included in the definition of the needs and why was it included if not then there is a conflict of interest of an individual and this is how uh, conflict of interest is related to best value for money well they say simplicity is the hallmark of genius so what is the biggest challenge you have within your specific role right now and how are you overcoming it our biggest challenge is how to clearly articulate the value of a professional procurement function to the organization as a whole and to assure our client units that making such a change in having a professional procurement function will bring more benefits to them and contribute to achieving their goals rather than being a compliance issue. Professional procurement function. Tell me more about this. What is it exactly? What I mean by a professional procurement function is that instead of being seen to be gatekeepers of procurement rules and an administrative function of buying stuff, we must be a trusted partner that contributes to defining the best sourcing strategy, leading the organization effort to procuring strategic needs, procuring efficiently, supporting achievement of business objectives. 
this will require us to analyze our business, categorize it into logical manage, manageable areas, and evaluating our competence as a team and see what value we can add to each category. Then, we need to work together with our client units. We need to have to work out a structure that best contributes to the organization's objective. How that structure would look like is something that we need to work with our client units and uh, the people that support us. I know this sounds like a simplistic solution. However, in actual practice, there is more that needs to be done to get us to the right direction of being a professional procurement function that adds value and contributes to the objectives of uh, the organization. So we hear a lot about ethics. My question to you from what you're telling us is how do we prevent an ethical behavior in practice? How do we prevent an ethical behaviors? What I've seen works is advocacy, awareness, as well as uh, training of all that are, all the people that are involved in the process of procurement, explaining the rules, how the rules are applied, and ensuring that the rules are applied fairly and consistently, and ensuring that management sets the tone and example of ethical behavior. Procurement professionals, the users of procurement services, the business entities that are participating in the procurement processes all have to be aware of and um, be conversant of ethics in procurement. There should be concerned and concerted effort to raise awareness and make ethical behavior part of the organization. Those that interact and those that interact with uh, its procurement activities. This is one way that we would, what we would do to actually help enhance ethical behavior in uh, different organizations. In WFP, I have seen increased effort of bringing uh, this awareness of unethical practices such as uh, bribery, uh, fraud, corruption, uh, money laundering and uh, human rights abuses such as uh, modern slavery, child labor, ETC. Well, that's an eye-opener. What about training in ethics? Ethic, ethics is actually a mandatory training for all staff in uh, my organization. And there is also an increased awareness of uh, these practices to our suppliers, including having them as part of our contract clauses governing the relationships that we have with these suppliers. Other requirements that have increased over the years is having things like disability inclusiveness as well as environmental sustainability practices that promote a different part of what ethics are or what organizations are expected to do and behave in terms of the environment and also in terms of taking care of um, vulnerable or communities or groups of people that are usually left behind with economic activities. Thanks. So here you are in Rome, all the way from Zambia, and uh, you're running quite a global operation, a lot of complexities. So I would imagine you have a lot of 
stories to tell us, you know, lessons learned, one or two projects that really captivated your imagination. Would you share one or two of those stories? So a brief description about the project. We had a project that was assisting over 750,000 people have access to food through food retail shops in Lebanon. The aim of the project was to help increase the value for money for the people that we were assisting. We had to contract over 500 uh, small, medium and large retail outlets uh, through which our clients would use special electronic cards to purchase food items to cover their daily needs. Um, each client had an allocation of money on their cards according to their family size. So on a monthly basis, that amount was loaded on their card and they could go to any of the contracted shops and use that card on a point of sale machine which accepted the card to pay for the food that uh, they got from, uh, from, the, from the shop. As procurement, our role was to ensure competitive selection and contracting of partner shops and uh, the associated bank that uh, was processing the transaction on those cards to make sure that uh, uh, we get best value for our clients. Soon after we contracted the shops, they increased their prices. At times, they lowered their standards uh, and provided very poor service to our clients. This resulted in our clients having challenges to meet their food needs. They had to wait long in queues. At times, they did not find uh, the variety of food that they needed. Once we received the feedback from our clients as procurement, it was our duty to act as interlocutors to address the issues that were raised. Our challenge, though, was to find uh, an efficient and effective means to bring about a mutual beneficial solution between the interest of uh, the shop and the interest of uh, the uh, clients the the, that use the retail so, uh, service. How did you solve this problem? We developed six questions that we needed to answer. The first being, what are the shopping patterns of our clients? The second, what do they usually buy and in what quantities? The third, how do they select which shop to go to buy from and what influences their choice? The fourth, what behaviors from our side as an organization impacts the buying patterns of our client, such, as, uh, such things as when we loaded value on the cards and how much we loaded on the cards? The fifth was, how do shops buy their stock? Where do they buy it from? How do they organize the items in their shop? And the last being, how do clients know the good price and in what shop? How do they know where to shop from? And do they know the stock that is in those shops? 
What about the suppliers and external stakeholders? One must know all these three sites and be willing to build consensus. And in most of the cases, or in some cases, you might need to take decisions even to a point where you walk away when you are compromising the, or risking organization objectives or your personal values. Once we understood uh, the situation, we then looked at what was the complication. The complication was that the client did not have enough food to last them the month. On the shop site, the owners complained that there was increased pilferage and shrinkage due to the overcrowding and therefore this is why they charged a high cost to recover the things that they were losing through pilferage and uh, shrinkage. After many years in the industry, I have learned that it's all about relationships and how you manage these relationships. You have clients on one side and the vendors or the market on the other and the interest of the organization being at the center of it all. Learning to manage these uh, relationships in a way that contributes and adds value to the organization is the most important thing that needs to be considered. What sort of timeline did you have on this project as a procurement? We had three months for the proof of concept, which meant we needed to show results in these three months that the idea worked. And we had uh, two years in which to implement and scale. Our solution was to find shared goals with least efforts to achieve. So once we had our internal uh, stakeholders start seeing beyond their territorial boundaries, they moved towards the shared goals. What effort was needed internally to make it happen? That is always a challenge. We found that the commitment uh, to the project improved. We all wanted the same thing, that is, the clients to get value for money. Together with all the in internal stakeholders, we developed what we called a litmus test for each proposed option. The test was, does it add to the client getting value for their money? What effort was needed internally to make it happen? It was then easy to find options that we all agreed to. So the lessons that I learned is always find shared goals and work towards that. All these questions and many others helped us to formulate different hypotheses about our problem. From these, we then developed a number of answers, which included the following. I see you are a true master, a deal maker. The first one, we spread out the loading of value on the cards throughout the month, so that at any given time, only a few clans were going to the shops. This reduced the overcrowding issue that uh, was associated with uh, cards being loaded at the same time and, and uh, clients going to the shop at the same time. The second one, we added more shops and 
This increased uh, competition and other shops started giving discounts and it dropped their prices for our clients. The third one was we used the spend analysis from our clients using the data that was coming from the point of sale machine from the shops to understand the buying pattern and also to understand the varieties that we are most bought by our clients and this helped the shops to stock the right items and therefore providing the right variety of food to our clients. What was the business impact in terms of finances or people or processes? The reason why I'm asking you is that one of the aims of this podcast is to show how procurement can demonstrate relevance and demonstrate value to the business. So I think if you can share a bit on that, it will be really useful for the listeners. In terms of the impact of our work, I would see it in two forms, in monetary terms and in qualitative terms. In monetary terms, we saved over 500,000 US dollars in the first year of implementing the project. It was also estimated that we could save over 3 million once the project scaled. We had an impact for on over 700,000 people who benefited from these improvements. Speaking in terms of qualitative impacts, we had improvements in internal collaboration as well as a responsiveness in the projects that we were doing. This improved the standing of procurement internally within the organization. We were then considered as a strategic partner rather than being considered as uh, people that just buy stuff. What is the one tool you always carry in your toolbox no matter what project you're working on? Asking questions is one toolbox that I bring to every project that I work on. Being a procurement profession, you act as an interrogator between the internal client and the market. In addition, you often find yourself traversing through different fields that you know very little about, but you are expected to bring your A-game 100% of the time. To perform in such an environment, one should be inquisitive and not be afraid to ask for help from experts in the field. This reminds me of a story of a ship owner who had this ship that could not be repaired. He asked several experts in the field, but none of them managed to find a solution. Eventually, he was referred to this old man who used to work on this ship several years back. When the old man came, he asked what the problem was. When he was told, he said, can you give me a hammer? He got the hammer, went and tapped at a certain place, and he asked the ship owner, can you start the engine? And the ship ran. Now, the man was asked to bill, and he said, for my labor, I'll charge you $1. For knowing where to tap, 
I'm going to charge you a million dollars. I might not be an expert in every single procurement that I do, but knowing what questions to ask, who to ask, how to ask is the value that I bring as a procurement profession. Having the knowledge of rules of the market and understanding the rules of the organization helps me to ask the relevant questions to the client and the market for the benefit of the organization. To solve the challenges that our clients faced, we use the technique called SCQA. This technique is a problem-solving technique which the situation, understanding the facts about the current situation. In this case, we had to sit with our clients, the shop and our team to try and agree on the facts that we all knew were actually taking place. Then we looked at what was the complication or rather what changed from the, what was originally agreed. We then asked questions to help us understand and uh, find solutions to that problem. We later then determined what are these solutions that can answer to the questions that we asked to help us solve the problem. So it helped us frame the way we needed to address the challenges that the clients were facing. In practice, this is how we applied the principle of SCQA. We started with engaging our clients and the shops to understand the issue in detail. We carried out an extensive research of the problem. We were asking difficult questions. We collected information and we listened to both the clients and the shops. We also interviewed other people that used the shop and other stakeholders such as uh, food suppliers and providers of systems that are used to record inventory and sales in the shop. These systems are called BOS inventory systems. In terms of continuous professional development, how do you continue to learn to stay on top of things within your role? I am a member of uh, many professional institutes. I also keep up to date with the uh, information that is uh, coming out of different publications, annual workshops, and uh, seminars uh, around uh, procurement. I also I am actively involved in managing procurement uh, activities and procurement teams. So this helps me to keep up to date with uh, different uh, procurement actions that are taking place. What would you say are the three most important skills for procurement people right now? Three skills that I see are important for procurement profession, especially in this day and age, is to have digital literacy. Digital literacy, what I mean is competence in systems and tools for managing procurement, good analytical skills, as well as uh, communication skills. These all form digital literacy. The second one being uh, negotiation skills, which also includes influen influencing skills. We often have to negotiate with different people that we interact with internally with the clients and then externally with the suppliers. The last one being relationship management. 
we have to know how to manage internal relationships and uh, external relationships to be successful. I'm sure there could be lessons that you can learn from a third sector perspective, bringing in the latest ideas and techniques from the private sector procurement environment. Are there any that you are adopting or considering? On your question about uh, what we can learn from private sector supply chain, I would say there are many ways uh, we can learn from them. Perhaps the most notable one is uh, data analytics and how that can support uh, decision making and managing our complex supply chains. My organization has uh, worked with and learned from private sector to develop advanced analytics applying AI and machine learning to determine the best way to stretch every dollar that we receive so that we can reach as many people as possible. This has been applied specifically to demand planning, route optimization, selecting the right combination of food that provides the required nutrition at the least cost, cost possible. We have also applied blockchain technologies to provide a secure, transparent and accountable means of transferring benefits to the people that we assist in our cash uh, programs. Thank you very much, uh, Simba, for the honor of hosting me on your podcast, Meet, you, Meet Me at the Top, to discuss various issues facing supply chain professions and providing a few insights from my experience. I have enjoyed uh, chatting with you and I hope that our listeners have picked on a few things that they can apply in their area of work. Thank you very much. Well, Shannon, thank you for being with us. We have run out of time and we've to come to the end. It's been a pleasure listening to you, talking to you. You've really opened our eyes and our minds. Thank you very much. And we wish you and your team every bit of success. Thank you. Thank you very much. To our listeners, let's meet up on the next episode where we talk to another bright, bright star who is leading the way in procurement. Bye.